Welcome to the Builders Podcast, episode 145, David Saha, leading the charge in data-driven marketing and predictive analytics. Before we jump into this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, hit that notification bell if you're on YouTube, and after a listen, please give us a thumbs up, like, and share, if we've earned it. With your help, we can reach more people and deliver these valuable from the trenches lessons to those that need it. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another The Builders. Today, we are joined by David Saha. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be here. More enthusiasm. It's really good to be here, Matt. I'm so excited to to finally do this with you. I know we've been talking about it for a long time. Yes. So David David and I, actually, we go way back, well, a few few years. We were introduced by a mutual friend, uh, Eric, right? Yep, Eric Sarhamo. That's who who introduced us. And we'll talk about uh, what happened after that. (laughs) <laughs> All good news. <laughs> but uh, David, David is, uh, he, he has an agency, um, Ad Science Lab, and uh, mm-hmm. he does, uh, what do you do over there? Uh, not much. Um, no, no, just kidding. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm the managing director and we're a one-stop shop data-driven marketing firm, um, mainly for, uh, and focusing on analytics, um, with social strategy, content creation, science focused and, um, yeah, uh, blog writing for sure. And some, some web dev, some web dev. Just, but we just kind of get forced into it really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and you, and you do other things. We can, you can tell us a little bit about your story. Cause that is the first thing we do when we have a guest on the first time is we start with your origin story, we figure out who this guy David is and uh, how he became this awesome person he is today. And uh, so we'll go back, you know, as far as you want to go, can be a short version, long version, but tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you became an entrepreneur or business person, how you got into business and uh, what, what that looked like. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so um, I've always think I feel like I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. But the way I got into it was um, I was in academia for quite some time. I, while I loved science and I still do love science and the academic rigor, I felt that I wanted a little bit more um, control of what I was doing. And I mean, initially, it's actually I wanted to be able to work wherever I, um, wherever I wanted to. And, and one of the things that is well known in academics and maybe not outside of academia is that you more or less, not more or less, you certainly go where the work is. So Mm. if that's Florida or New Brunswick or Washington or wherever it may be, um, you just kind of go where the, um, job takes you. And I really wanted to stay, um, here in Boulder, Colorado, because, I just love being here. My family's here and I, you know, spend considerable energy moving here and, and kind of building a life here. Mm. So that was the original goal, um, of, of kind of entrepreneurship. And so I, so I, I essentially did, you know, consulting, um, in the digital health space for a while because of my science background that went pretty well. Um, and then, we decided to start a family and while the consulting was great for just you know making money I, I was i was building a career there wasn't really stable enough at the time to raise and support a family so i ended up getting a job um at the university of colorado uh, where i got my masters and then i looped a uh, phd into it Um, but you know, during that time I was still doing consulting and, um, I ended up getting into a position where I was a president of a health and wellness company. And one of the things I did was build a digital marketing team. Um, and after a few years, I exited that company, sold my shares and I, the folks who worked in the digital marketing department wanted to come with me. So Mm. essentially 
I was like left in a position where I had a company. I had just successfully sold a number of shares. So I had some money and, um, there's not a lot of scientists who run digital marketing companies. So I figured this was a great entrepreneurial, uh, kind of effort and start. Yeah. So, that could yeah. really differentiate, short differentiate you a little bit. There yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's essentially the short version of how I got, uh, how I got into entrepreneurship. I mean, I did construction way back when, and kind of always kind of like to work for myself mm. as much as I could. Um, so you like the freedom of having a yeah, kind of and be able to do what you want to do and mm -hmm. um, I don't think I did it did really well as an employee mm. either, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is probably a common thread. Yes, um, um, a common story for many entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um. So never did really well as an employee. I mean, in academia, I fit in pretty well because I was just lucky enough to have positions where the expectations was were high but as far as like day-to-day -day management of myself was pretty low mm. um so i was able to have a lot of freedom but you know with that came a, a ton of work and a ton of responsibility but yeah so that's kind of how i got into entrepreneurship ship and fell in love with it entrepreneurship really. yeah that was yeah exactly. <laughs> we don't swear on this podcast but let's ah let's throw that out. no uh <laughs> awesome so <laughs> So you have this, you have this, um, the scientific background, academia, you're, you're now, you, you got a taste for running an agency mm -hmm. and now what did, so what did you end up doing? What, why did you, how did you spin that off? So you had these people, you knew they wanted to start an agency with you. This was a conversation and you just yeah, exactly. launched it. More or less, yeah. I mean, I, I, in the past, my, my, you know, I probably wouldn't have thought I would be driving um, or running a digital marketing firm or agency, but I just had, yeah, I was basically left in a position where I had a bunch of people or a few people who, who wanted to keep going, and that's essentially how I got into it. And yeah, it's, so, it's, it's a different, like you've seen yourself as a specific type of person, a persona and showing up in the world and to be a digital marketing agency guy, that's, that's different. That's different. You're still holding on to that. How can I still hold on to my scientific persona a little bit? How can I blend the two or something? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's an ongoing, um, challenge and opportunity. Yeah. Um, yeah, because there aren't that many that that many of us. Um, That's a it's a weird. I, I would imagine that would be pretty rare. <laughs> Somebody it's that super went on, rare. I mean, went on this and suddenly you're running an agency or want to go in that direction. That's that's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is super rare, and I mean, it's it's so rare that like I mean, as far as in academia, at least in the biomedical sciences, where where my expertise lies, um, you know, there's no rarely ever talk any talk of marketing or self-promotion. I mean, most students and most academics don't even really know how to write a resume. You know, they can provide a CV, a curriculum vitae, which mm -hmm. is, you know, 15, 20, 30, 40, or even 60 pages once you're later stage in career, but to summarize your professional experience and make it, you know, try to get conversion, quote unquote, you know, conversion out of that resume is, I mean, is an experience that, yeah. um, not many people have for yeah. sure. Um, so how did, so, kind of so how did that go? So you, so you, how did you start? Did you have an, an idea of the, the market you'd go after or the vertical? Like, how are you positioning yourself as an agency at that stage? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the vertical or the market we were going after and still go after is kind of the health and wellness space. Um, because it, you know, the, the, the scientific background and that doctorate really opens doors. Mm -hmm. Of course, we work with clients from all type, uh, types of industries at this point. Um, and, and probably in future points as well. But, um, the PhD really does open doors as far as, you know, any pharma company or any health company. And then on the analytics side of things, there's not a lot of, how do I say this? Like, I guess, statistical rigor 
in analytics. Um, I mean, analytics in general are, are poorly configured for most firms, businesses running any sort of digital marketing effort. Mm -hmm. But the lack of statistics is is almost ubiquitous. I have yet to run into a company that uses actual stats or statistical methods to assess, you know, what's uh, real and what's not. So, you know, that might be TMI here, but but anyway, the the academic background really, since I do have some decent um, and strong background in data science and the statistics, that also opens doors. So, so right now it's basically a door opener and um, yeah, again, kind of trying to target the health and wellness space. Don't mind me. I lost my uh, pen, the tip of my pen. So <laughs> I lost my ability. That's great. I lost my ability when you have an electronic pen and the tip comes off. Oh, yeah. It's no good. It doesn't work anymore. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So how, how, long do you, how long have you been using an electronic pen? Uh, probably this past year. Uh, I kind of moved yeah. over to that. For a long time, I used uh, Rocket Books. I was, uh, if you've heard of those, where you you uh, take notes in this thing and then you can like either microwave it or wipe it off and start over. Hmm. It's like a comes in like um, yeah, just like little notebooks and and uh, but I got tired of because you need to scan it in. There's a way to scan it in. They have an app, wow. so you scan in all your notes. I'm like, yeah. this is, I did that yeah, for a that few years. Step. <laughs> and I would just, I would still stack up, and then I would have to do it all in like one sitting for like two hours. Um, but this is nice because I just I have nice note. I use Notability put in there, and okay. all my notes are in there. We have our own note for today for me to keep track of things. Anyway, so back back on track. <laughs> no, so, no tech tips from yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah seriously, because I always uh, it, it's. And I, I like that you can color code it and stuff, you know, like I ha I'll have some bullets for us and then I turn and change the color to red so that I can, you know, keep track of things I might want to circle back to on our conversation, little notes, things I learn about you. Um, That's great. So, uh, yeah. Um, so you're, so you got into analytics, which is interesting, which makes, that makes sense, right? So, you know, mm -hmm. you're kind of bringing your scientific background to bear in an agency environment. And yeah. that actually, that mindset and that mind probably could be very valuable for companies um, to be able to, uh, I don't know if it would lend to processes, just the way you look at numbers and um, and all that. Is that kind of baked into what you, how you approach your agency now? Absolutely. Yeah, we rarely engage clients or, or leads um, without having a conversation about analytics and measurement. Um, it's absolutely the foundation of everything that we do. Mm -hmm. Because it's that's one of the, I think, one of the, the beauties of digital marketing is that ability to measure. Um, and the measurement can, can vary from, you know, we can even bring it into the offline environment, right, into the analog environment. Not all the time, but most of the time. Mm. Um, so without, yeah, analytics, something even simple as like return on ad spend or cost of acquisition, um, while these terms are ubiquitous among agencies, it's rare that clients actually have a good measure of that. Um, and it's also good to understand that, you know, I'm here proselytizing measurement and data. Um, you know, accuracy is not perfect. I mean, with certain techniques, we, we can get to about 95% accuracy. That's assuming everything's well configured. Um, something we use uh, is called server-side tracking. Basically, um, one of the things is using HTML cookies instead of JavaScript. They last longer, um, among other things. Um, but where was I going with this? <laughs> yeah, um, general accuracy is around 80% without server-side tracking. But that's, again, assuming everything's configured correctly, right? You, All your buttons are configured. Yeah, do, do you yeah. think that um, what type of company is looking for that? Because, I mean, I've, I deal with companies that have varying degrees of care when it comes to analytics and stuff. I have mm -hmm. six relatively successful companies that... They, I tried to help them with their Google Analytics setting up in GT, GTM and just get something basic happening, but mm -hmm. uh, there's not a lot of buy-in in that. It, even though they're re relatively known and, and successful, they're really not focused on analytics. 
And I don't know how common that is, but I don't have a lot of those conversations with even companies or other agencies um, mm. that we work with. Some, some, a few that are more yeah, established. Yeah, I, I could see, I could see that, um, you know, not understanding it or not being aware of what it can do and kind of maybe lessens its importance. And, you know, not, not all of our clients care about it that much. Um, we have one client in particular that um, may not care as much about it, but ultimately it's how we see um, our world and it's, it's how we see um, our digital marketing efforts. And it's yeah. literally how part and parcel to how we strategize and measure the efficacy of our, of our yeah. It's your our, like you said, uh, it's your foundation. I mean, that's that's what sets you apart. And and uh, so when you're going to work with companies that do care about it, mostly, I would I would assume. I wonder how much of it is yeah, and it's also how much of it is budget and stuff too is or or time that people think there's an investment there that they can't handle. Yeah, I mean, um, there is a there is there can be well, so it depends. You're you're a web developer, right? So you and you also do UX and UI and web design. So you're kind of a come in a all one package, and you have deep experience, um, you know, in web development, and then also um, in other sectors, right? Like I think you, I heard from a previous podcast that you um, were trying to get your Series Seven. Oh gosh, yeah, Mike. a long time yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, anyway, you're yeah, yeah. which is I mean, quite impressive, but. Um, but so as far as cost, right? And, and my point is here, you see, you can see the whole picture of from inception of the idea to actually like the day-to-day -day management of a website. And so you're probably, you know, I know working with you, um, you know, you run a very efficient group and you try to simplify things as much as possible. And that this is where, and you know, the cost of analytics come in. If you have one website, right with one domain and your store is on that domain and everything's linked correctly and it's built nicely and it's maintained and it doesn't you know it has like 25 pages instead of 350 <laughs> you know and the so the upfront the upfront cost of analytics you know is there but it's relatively minimal for a well configured well built website yeah if we are approaching a client with um, a complicated website that's been patched together by their team that may have their hearts in the right place, but they're just not web developers and web, web maintenance people. And now they have their domain and then they have another domain, you know, they use a third party purchasing system and then they have another scheduling system mm. and then they have an app mm -hmm. that they bought off the shelf. And now all of a sudden the user's going through three or four different domains then we start doing cross-domain tracking and the hours go from, let's say, configuring a clean, simple website. You can roughly say between 5 and 15 hours of analytics time as a general, um, you know, range. Um, and then a complicated website, the one I just described with multiple domains and multiple off-the-shelf uh, systems. I mean, the hours can go into 20, 30, 40, you know, to the point where it's we sometimes recommend that people, you know, rebuild their website or, or clean it up before we even go in. So that's another challenge to, I would say to analytics is, is, you know, making sure that your website's nice and organized, which, um, goes back to ties to everything else, right? This is what makes kind of analytics foundational. It ties back to maintenance. Maintaining one domain is much more cost effective than maintaining four. Yeah. Sending a user through one clean, clean, seamless experience of one domain that, you know, everything kind of flows together is more cost effective. You have higher conversion rates. Um, you build trust, you build authenticity. I mean, nothing's worse than having a client jump on, go from a one domain that the main domain that they like, and they're about to buy something and then they go to some third party shopping system <laughs> That you know maybe just gray and it has a different domain. Right, right. Now all of a sudden trust is gone. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's a complicated way of saying that uh, analytics does have an upfront cost, but maintenance is pretty minimal because we just go in there and check 
every few months. So once it's sure once it's set up, it's it kind of runs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You check it every few months, and then of course, um, if there's any changes in page additions or buttons, we go ahead and you know test those things yeah. and 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 configure and test those things. But outside of that, it's um, do you get into like do you get into like split testing and all that stuff like um, on the content side yes. and. Yeah, we we absolutely can like yeah, A/B testing or multivariate testing, and this is a perfect example of where like statistics come into play because the A/B test is more or less a uh, t-test. Um, technically, it's called the student's t-test. It was developed by a guy um, in the Guinness factory, where they were trying to yeah, they, where they were trying to figure out a way where they could use math to ensure that each batch of Guinness. Mm was um was good right so it's like how many beer cans or bottles at the time probably do we need to do we need to taste or do we need a sample to ensure that the whole batch is in, indeed good and so this was print uh published as the student's t-test as a pseudonym because it was developed at guinness but i mean the thing though i mean don't quote me on this but this this technique has got to be like 150 years old i mean it's a basic test and it's written i've never seen it used um, I mean, we haven't really been around for that long, so we're about three years, three years in. Um, but I mean, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I've seen clients be like, yeah, we did an AB test, you know, and it's like on version A, we got 40 engagements and on version B, we got 30 engagements and 40 is high, bigger than 30. So 40 must be the one. And it's pretty easy to run a basic statistical test to measure the efficacy of that because that difference between 30 and 40 may not actually be meaningful. Statistically, it may actually be the same thing. Um, so, yes. So, answer, let's yes. go back to this Guinness thing. So, how does that translate? <laughs> so, how does that translate to AB, AB testing? It yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. So, so essentially, you want you a AB testing is you want to know, right? How many if out of we show this, uh, you know, let's say we show it to a thousand people or a hundred people. Let's use hundred. So we, we 50 CA, 50 CB, right? And out of those 50, we have 20 conversions in, in A and 25 conversions in B, right? So without using stats, we can, we can know that, okay, well, we saw 25%, 25 conversions, excuse me, in B. And um, 25 conversions is more than 20, right? Mm -hmm. So we know, we can, we can assume that, that B is more effective. But without actually running the numbers, using this t-test, right, comparing the means, like which would be maybe average conversion rate, you really don't know. And it may not matter with small companies, right? It's just kind of an exercise. But if you think about it, you know, going into like medicine, or or any other any other uh, place where you want to you definitely want to know statistics you know if you're spending it, let me let me back up a little bit so if you're spend um you know if you're doing like 50 users excuse me 50 audience members and on one and 50 audience members on the other it may not matter right because the cost of running these a b tests is maybe I don't know, say hundred bucks a piece or a couple hundred bucks a piece, right? But let's say you're spending fifty thousand dollars a month on advertising, right? And you're test you're spending twenty five thousand dollars on one um, ad and twenty five thousand dollars on another. You definitely would want to know which has a more meaningful yeah. um, effect, right? Or if they're if they're the same as well, right? Because this can save on design time. Um, social media management time and whatever, right? Or let's say you, you want to go from 50,000 to 150,000, right? You want to know what's working and what's not. So using statistics is important, but it's rarely used. I mean, I haven't really come across anyone that's using it. Hmm. I'm sure the big firms are, right? Yeah, um, right. Yeah. yeah. If you're spending millions, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're even more sophisticated. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe there's an opportunity yeah, I there. For, I don't know. Hey, guys, here's a... 150 year old technique <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that we can use to leverage, um, you know, old math. Yeah. Interesting. I used to have, uh, when I did this as a side thought, I, I used to back 
in the 2000s. I did pay-per-click a lot. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had my own methods. I even taught people how to do these things. And um, I had this weird thing. I don't know. I just made it up off the top of my head. It was uh, to split test ads called the six pack mm-hmm. method. So mm-hmm. I'd create six ads. I don't know why six, but it, it just seemed to work mm-hmm. for me. And, um, and that's how we'd start. And then we'd, you know, figure out which ad did the best. And we sort of, sort of start to boil it down and zero in on this, on which the best ad was. And then we'd just start to go down to like two, you know, two ABs or, you know, just a split test. But that was how I tried mm-hmm. different ideas and then start to slowly boil it down. There was no scientific thought behind that at all, <laughs> but it worked. It was something that I, I yeah. don't know if that has any basis in anything, but it, it just, for my methods, it always, and I did this hundreds and hundreds of times, um, I would always be able to zero in on the, uh, a group of ads that did better than the other, the others, and then zero, you know, make variations of those. But it, split testing was super important back then. I even got into multivariant on landing pages and things like that. Uh, there was actually, I was trying to think of the name of it. There was a really popular, um, it wasn't multivariant, but it was even more complex than multivariant. It was, um, gosh, I think in the name, I'm trying to think of it. I haven't probably thought about it in 15 years. Um, but there was some tools back then that you could do these really uh, complex models to, to test your, your software and stuff mm. you could use. But anyway. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think, look, I think it can be useful. And sometimes, you know, you, you don't, I had a biomechanics professor that would, would kind of say he his like favorite quote. He's like, I, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, he would say like, I love it when you don't need stats to, to really understand the results. Right. So like sometimes it's not like stats are the holy grail or the only tool to use, um, for this kind of stuff. But yeah, like if you're, you know, if you have, you can use intuition sometimes and sometimes you may not even have the numbers or the, the, the kind of the subject pool, if you will, right. The, the amount of users to really be able to detect a difference. Um, mm-hmm. oh. Or if you're seeing like. Taguchi. Gucci. Taguchi testing. Taguchi. T-A-G-U-C-H-I. Oh, that's a blast from the past. I had to look it up. It was bothering me. Can you tell me? But yeah, tell me more about Taguchi. Oh, Taguchi. It, it's just, uh, it, it's, I, I couldn't even. Here. <laughs> we're, we're just going to do some uh, Taguchi method. Um, is a statistical method, uh, sometimes called robust. Let's see. Uh, Designs method. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it was. It, no, no, I'm reading about it here on Wikipedia. Um, yeah, it's pretty wild. It, it, but it, it was very complex. Well, that's that, this is a perfect example. So yeah, this is you. You were actually using um, some some sort of statistical measure because we were and, really um, really into that because I was in affiliate marketing, and so we were te- always testing all kinds of stuff. That's phenomenal. Yeah. So let's talk about. So one of the things that you know just kind of round off this conversation about. Uh, analytics, A-B split testing, Ma- Taguchi, <laughs> now that I remember the name, <laughs> Taguchi. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that, and, and I find this with my own websites, even today, it's like, when do you even pay attention to A-B? When does it even matter? Because you have to have, number one, there's ha- things have to fall into place. You have to have targeted traffic, mm-hmm. right? And you have to have a, a, yeah. a certain amount of traffic. Like if you get two visitors a month, you're probably not worrying about A/B split testing. So, is no. there is is do you find that there's a threshold or there's some kind of criteria there that where somebody can benefit start benefiting from um, either doing analytics in general or A/B? So, analytics in general, um, you know, I'm a dyed in the wool data scientist, so I would say anybody benefits from that mm-hmm. pretty much right off the bat. And there's no reason not to do that because it's digital marketing. You can measure, so why not? And you can't manage what you can't measure, right? Uh, some I can't remember who said that. Uh, it was a anyway management guru, but um, <laughs> and so A/B testing. Yeah, I think like especially you know if 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 the audience here is is kind of an entrepreneur, small business scene, I would say 
a good time to think about A-B testing is when you feel or the data show that you've been meeting your goals. Um, because I've had clients be like, hey, we need to do A-B testing. And I'm like, well, look, you're not even, for example, I'm just, you know, making things up. Like you should be, you know, you're not even focusing your resources on SEO. You're not writing content or, you know, I want to, I want to test this ad. And it's like, well, we want to A-B test this ad. And I'm like, what's your budget, right? Do you have, how much money do you have to burn? Right. Or are you trying to conserve resources and maximize conversion? So I would say A-B testing is a good thing to do once you feel that you've matched, met kind of your minimum business goals and you haven't, and you have taken care of any other relevant digital marketing channel, whether that's, you know, social media like LinkedIn versus Facebook, depending on what you're doing, SEO, content generation, web design, analytics, <laughs> for sure, yeah. <laughs> um, ha has to be in place. Yeah. Because people like to, a lot of, I think early stage clients and early stage businesses have been like, oh, why aren't we doing A-B testing? I'm like, you're still getting off the ground, man. Like, we need to focus on the basics. Right. You've got people going through four different domains. You know, like I can tell you right now without any sort of statistical analysis that you're losing people. Yeah, yeah. Just not and there's also basis. this kind of, I mean, if you start, if you start, uh, if you're, you get 100% of your traffic going, let's as an example, 100% of your traffic going through one ad and one landing page and, and you are got this yeah. razor thin margin, like <laughs> a little bit of profit and you're going to, right. you're kind of investing, you're kind of risking some of that when you start split testing that or maybe you just exactly. split test 10 percent of it <laughs> or something you yeah. have to be thoughtful about that um because it can backfire totally <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think a lot of you know i think a lot of especially small businesses underestimate the the sophistication or at least i would say the expertise and then the money required to really run successful ads mm -hmm. over the long term, especially competitive industries. Um, I mean, for better or for worse, the platforms like Google ads, Facebook, Meta, um, Twitter, LinkedIn, they, they make it really easy for you, for businesses to advertise. Um, yeah. But to test, you know, but to do things successfully costs a lot of money yeah. and requires expertise. And to test things requires you to be able, comfortable to lose money. Yeah. I'm paying for that test, yeah, essentially. Yeah, true. I don't know. I mean, what has your experience been with A-B testing and with your clients in the, in the web dev? In the web dev world. I don't run into it yeah. much. I mean, I, I've mm -hmm. used, you know, I got clients that like to use their heat maps and, you know, plugins and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, they probably do some stuff internally. I don't really get involved with that too much. I'm more of, mm -hmm. I get involved when they need to tweak something or on a technical side to to help them improve conversions, like make changes to the site or whatever. Um, but I don't, once in a while I get a little bit involved with the Google analytics where I get involved with, you know, some of that, you know, just helping implement a lot of that, but more on the implementation side, not on the analysis or, um, or really getting involved with that, the side of the strategy of that and all that. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, yeah. um, so, well, I don't know how we got on the, the track with analytic, but I, I love that. I, I think because I really love that topic and can relate to it. Yeah. Um, I can geek and out. we could probably keep talking about it, but I want, I really did want to get into a little bit. Um, one of the things I like to talk about is the challenges around things. I think we can learn a lot from, yes. from another business person, other entrepreneurs challenges and how that looked and how it's, was overcome or what you've learned from it. Um, and I think we were going to talk a little bit about, cause we can, we kind of set it up in the beginning that we have known each other for a little while and we work together mm -hmm. and uh, we, we did literally work together. We still technically yeah. are uh, connected. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, we've done some projects together. Mm -hmm. So, so let's, 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 Talk a little bit about that, like how, um, what, from your perspective, how that went, <laughs> how all that's going <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe some of the challenges around building a web team in general, digital marketing team and, and 
partnering with others to help you do more? Yeah. So uh, first of all, yeah, partnering with uh, you and uh, Unified Web Design has been awesome. Um, Thank you. So yeah, <laughs> a little plug for Matt here <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you have again, um, kind of going back to where I was speaking before uh, about your experience, right? I mean, you were doing PPC in the early two thousands using the Takaguchi, Takaguchi. method, obviously something. Something I'm learning yeah, today. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna dig into great. that. Um, and yeah, you've been in insurance and in finance. You've led teams. You've been a consultant. You've been an employee, and you definitely seem to have a good handle on um, the different types of um, languages and 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 kind of platforms that develop. Uh, that people can use to develop websites. So that's part of the reason why I was was um, interested in working with you in the beginning and still am and kind of keeps me motivated to keep working with you. So I think that has been good. I think some of the challenges that um, I've run into in that partnership in particular, that's not unique to this partnership is work finding the right client that again has the resources to be able to pour, put money into their website. Yeah. Um, kind of working with these entrepreneurs, startup or startup companies, um, early stage businesses. Sometimes it can be just a resource thing, right? And it's hard, you know, sometimes people really just don't have money, but other times it's kind of, you know, it's just hard to convince people be like, you need to invest in your website now. Um, and you need to build it cleanly from the get go. Because when you are successful, it's gonna you're gonna be spending tens of thousands of dollars fixing it, especially if you have traffic, especially if you want to do some A/B testing. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and and if and if you have money and you believe you believe in your business, why not why not invest that money now? Because it's just gonna give you a chance to to make it. And um, you, what you don't want to do is, you know, not make it and be like, oh, I wish I spent an extra couple dollars building a nice website from the get go. So the challenge, so the challenge here is is convincing somebody, clients, that they need to invest up front or they need to invest in a web team or a, you know, maintenance or whatever. And we've had yeah. that's one of the things we've had conversations with over the last few years totally. about. You know, can we go a little cheaper on that? Because you're trying to get, you want to help this client, but they right. they aren't willing to give up their budget uh, or they don't see the complete value in uh, keeping their website uh, in, a, in good shape. And, but that, you know, uh, you know, I'm a mate, you know, that's one of our biggest things that we do is maintenance. And it's really right. critical for a lot of agencies and totally. companies to, and maybe it's just a, some of it's peace of mind, but, you know, we've, brought companies out of doom where their their site is like doomed where they were cra they yeah. were crashing they were they're trying to do promotions their sites down for half a day and uh oh, we yeah. had to come in and you know uh rebuild their infrastructure move them to a different host or whatever um but if your site's not maintained well taken care of that's where you can end up uh, if you don't have somebody on yeah. staff or somebody to advise you to to help you with your site. I mean, so that's, that's, that's what I'm hearing is that it sounds like that's difficult though, too, because there's other things competing in a budget, someone's budget, a company's budget. There's other things competing. Like it's so, it's a little bit easier decision to spend it on marketing or developing products or is that? Yeah, there can be that, but there can be also, also the thing of, and I don't know everybody's, you know, kind of personal finances, but it's also like, you know, if you're starting a business, you, you got to be ready to sacrifice. Yeah. And if you're not willing to maybe work more than you bargained for or spend more money than you bargained for, like if you really don't have the money or the time, then, you know, maybe consider not doing the business at all. But, um, I mean, you've, you've had a number of entrepreneurs on this on this uh, um, podcast and you yourself are an entrepreneur and you know that it takes way more time than you, th you wanted to. It takes way longer than you ever envisioned. Yeah. Um, yeah you're going to be, you're going to be so investing you time or money uh, 
big time in the beginning. And money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and sacrificing, and so, yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. And, I, you know, I was talking to a client, like, you know, uh, somebody the other day, and they're like, you know, they've spent a number of um, – They've spent a considerable amount of resources in a in a you know sophisticated w- website that continues to need work, and it has a ton of potential. And you know now they're going to be switching or wanting to switch to like one of those off the shelf quote unquote DIY solutions like Wix or Squarespace, oh, no. right? And it's yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> You're taking it like ten steps back. Oh, yeah. um, so I think that's been the kind of you know the challenges of of. Our partnership has been just like finding the right clients who are who understand and appreciate that they need to invest in these. Well, things. yeah, the digital marketing, and and what it speaks to for me, and and this is kind of why, you know, you can you can go out and find help, cheap help. Matt's yeah. not as cheap as mm-hmm. <laughs> I have. Yeah. I have established price points, and I do that because I have to. I've always. Um, price this a little more premium uh, for reasons because I want to yeah. be able to invest in a good team. I want to, I'm looking for a particular client. I want clients that do care about what we're doing because mm-hmm. um, some, because you don't have to convince everybody, you know, some people are, oh, okay, you yeah, no problem. You just quote them and yeah, please. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, so our relationship right now as it stands, uh, we've done, projects we've done you know i'm still there to help and all this stuff but we're waiting for that mm-hmm. we're looking for that golden project that uh that where mm-hmm, it's a perfect mm-hmm. fit uh for what we offer at our price point and, and what you're doing and that kind of that synergy but this is a beautiful thing about relationships i talk about we've talked about networking relationships building and and uh partnerships and on this podcast before and i talk about it on social media here and there but the beautiful part about it is this relationship, we've done things together. We're going to continue to, but it's not what we're doing today necessarily. You know, in, in two months, I might get a get a message, an email from David. <laughs> Matt, here it is. A postcard. Need you to look at this. <laughs> a postcard. Yeah. Yeah, but, but it's something that it could happen tomorrow, it could happen next week, or it could happen in two years. But but we've already built this relationship and we already kind of like each other. We're, we're a little bit opposites in some ways. I'm a little more laid back. Complimentary. Than you are, I think. We're complimentary. We're complimentary. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that, yeah, but that, that's super valuable. So, and, and I appreciate I, I, working with David, you know, um, I'm talking to the audience now. He's been amazing. <laughs> the smart guy. He's very, but I, I think that's, you know, those are the, I only want to work with a certain type of agency or, or person. Like I want to be, you have yeah. to have, it's a real relationship. It's friends. You know, it's, you got to feel like your friends, you, and, and I like people that care, like you care about results. You care about um, your client's successes and all that. You're not just in it to, you want to make a little money, but you're just not just, and that's yeah. not what you're leading with. You want to help people and, and, um, yeah, that's that's what I garner or totally. Yeah. And and you're you know, you, I think I would could say the same thing about you. And this is, you know, um, you care and you're expert. But um, and but, uh, you know, talking about this in, in the entrepreneurship lens, mm-hmm. you know, small business lens, it's like, yeah, money is tight when you're starting a company. But, you know, buying cheap and going cheap is all not always the best routes usually the worst route right like you know, i mean we know these sayings like buy cheap buy twice you know you get what you pay for and yeah especially in the digital marketing world i mean you can go super cheap um but then how are you standing out that's how are you how standing are you gonna, out how are you going to convert and and things can go I mean, south eventually even on the tech side you know um totally. you know i think of one particular client we have work we've I think we started working with them like two and a half years ago. Um, but when they came to us, they are already a multi-million dollar business, right? They have hundreds of sales going through WooCommerce every month, you know, nice. hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's a higher priced item. And, um, but 
they made some bad decisions about their underlying <laughs> website tech. <laughs> and um, they yeah. probably, I don't know if they got it for cheap. I don't know if they just were, you know, maybe it was also just, you know, sometimes not every business person is is tech savvy and, and informed and right. knows. They just don't know like what could go wrong. They don't have yeah. that experience. You learned, but <laughs> but we were able, but, th but that was a situation where um, it was affecting the site speed. It was affecting, and they're super uh, dependent on Google uh, traffic, organic traffic. 90% of mm. their revenue was coming from Google. And they had just a lot of problems. And, you know, there was a situation, another situation where we had to move them to another host, rebuild over a lot. It was a year, year and a half process of slowly recoding wow. their, because it's a situation where you can't just, because they rely, everything's tight. SEO is tight. Everything's, totally. everything can have an effect and you got to slowly and carefully improve the yes. code. You can't just throw in a new theme <laughs> and hope for mm -hmm. the best, but we slowly right. had to roll them out of this old, this framework they had. They had a, like a, they were on a, a, not only old, like an outdated framework. It was, it was terrible. But we did it. We created a roadmap. We got them out of that. And now they're in a beautiful place. But that is what can happen. And, and there's other stories like that where if you don't invest or find the right people in the beginning, it can have negative mm -hmm. impacts, thousands of dollars, who knows how much um, in your revenue. Because once you do start, that revenue starts growing, that's, that's when those issues magnify and and uh totally yeah. so yeah no this is, is super important and and i think you you know maybe you're of this opinion as well but you know sometimes i'll advise clients and it's like well if you can't if you don't have the resources to build what you want correctly go smaller right right invest in invest in what you can afford and do it right go small you know from a website standpoint build a couple of pages one or two pages and then go with someone that, you know, that is willing to be like, okay, I will build you two pages and I will build it in a way that can, we can expand on it down the road. Yeah. Right. Instead of doing something like, yeah, I'm going to build a wet Wix site and now, you know, pulling in a hundred thousands yeah. of dollars a year. And now I want to expand. And it's like, yeah, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're going to take a year and a half. <laughs> we got to be careful. Right. We can't just like, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. Redirect yeah. That would be, and, that'd like, be a nightmare going from like, Wix. Yeah. <laughs> you're making like, Five million dollars a year through your Wix site, and to try to map that <laughs> to mean, like a new like build. Yeah. <laughs> Holy yeah. man! Uh, yeah. Yeah. So so um, so so what I'm hearing is, is the what your issue was, what your challenge was, and mm -hmm. and and obviously it's it's monetary from the from the client's perspective, whatever. So are you working on things? I know you got some new things. Kind of we talked about like your. Uh, new markets, new ideas um, that you're you're open yourself up to new opportunities. What's going on right now with David and Ed Science Lab? Yeah, yeah. So we're we're tapping into um, more of the pharmaceutical and behavioral health industry, um, uh, specifically trying to gain uh, use programmatic advertising to generate investor funding because. I mean, the climate, the investment climate, unless you're building something that has AI in the name, <laughs> is hard to get funded. Yeah. Um, so we're working, you know, we're, we're in talks with some companies there. We're also um, working in the new psychedelic space. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as a, my background as a cognitive neuroscientist, this is a kind of a natural door opener for me because the market is you know, I mean, pretty new, highly regulate. Well, for, for what, it, what it, what exists is, is highly regulated. And the people that are in this space really do care about making a change um, because psychiatry hasn't really come up with any new medication in the last more or less 50 years. I mean, there's been iterations of different kind of medications, but psychedelics, um, show show some promise, uh, especially in PTSD for for vets. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. kind of, um, 
so yeah, that's kind of where we're working with a number of companies. Um, challenges there are still the same. I mean, the funding in the psychedelic space has crashed considerably <laughs> in the last, I would say, like year-ish, uh, year and a half-ish. Um, but it's it's slowly coming around. Um, I think there was a lot of excitement with investors and people would get funded. And let me know if I'm going too off topic no, here. Um, but people would get funded for basically having ideas. There's a company that raised, um, I believe, a quarter of a billion dollars just on intellectual property, no actual products, wow. right? So um, that's really not happening anymore. Now everybody's just kind of, a lot of investors are waiting to see what kind of comes out in the next few years, what people are um, going to be developing. Many people are waiting for the, um, for MDMA to become approved by the FDA and for PTSD. And that's projected to happen mid next year, uh, maybe earlier, maybe later, depending on who you talk yeah. to. I mean, everyone's got an opinion in this space, but they're making some pretty good traction there. And it seems to be a, um, a bipartisan effort uh, as far as that, because it does affect vets. Um, and incidentally, I was at the psychedelic science conference over the summer and, um, one of the keynote speeches was from Rick Perry, who's a dad in the wool Republican, um, and was very in a spoke, um, you know, promoted psychedelic really? therapy quite a bit because of that. So, mm. so I think that's going to go through. So that'll probably change the investment climate quite a bit. Um, kind of a some proof um, that things can be. You know, once MDMA starts getting prescribed, then all the other drug manufacturers are going to have a little bit more put more money, put more, more money yeah. into it. Yeah, uh, fascinating. Yeah. So yeah. So that seems yeah. like a perfect center. Like. I like like synergies, like my favorite word. Um, the perfect blend, the perfect thing for you to totally. to get into or to go in that direction because you have that background. You have obviously a passion for it. It's something that can have a really positive impact on the world or the potential to, right? And um, the how does that tie into um, the agency side of things? Are you mm -hmm. are you looking to intertwine the two somehow, or you're yeah, so we're basically positioning ourselves as an expert for these types of companies, whether that's um, new drug manufacturers, right? People who are trying to take existing psychedelics and make something new out of it, um, or people who are trying to create um, psychedelic-assisted therapy healing centers, which are going to become legal here in Colorado in some time. Um, I actually advised the Department of Regulatory Affairs on product research and data um, uh, for, because they're creating the, the regulations for these psychedelic-assisted therapy centers right now or going to be. So we're basically positioning ourselves as an expert um, marketing agency or firm that knows all things marketing, right? has good partners with for web dev and <laughs> and then um you know we understand the science right and we understand the mental health the behavioral health therapeutics that come along mm. with this um so it's it's also br not only brings authenticity but also just trust right i mean yeah. when you're talking when you're a client looking for marketing services and you especially in a something that's going to be very regulated, right. highly looked over by the government. And that has potential for, you know, amazing outcomes in people's um, mood and cognitive state and, and lifestyle, but also has the potential for to go to have things go, you know, the other way, bad mm. outcomes are, are definitely a real risk. Yeah. And so to have somebody that understands your business and the sci the foundation of your business, you know, um, and then also understands marketing, I think is a great advantage, right? Um, yeah, that's huge. I mean, I think a lot of, you know, uh, if, if, there's, if there's agencies struggling out there or, um, you know, you're trying to be everything to everybody or whatever, it's it's yeah. super, like I, I've got a new niche, like ins we have an insurance site up now. And yeah, I, so, I think I showed you that at one point. Um we haven't gotten too much traction there just because we're extremely busy in every other area, but, um, but That's it's something right. that 
I'm like, at some point I will do that. But that the idea there was I have that insurance background and yes. I can speak to speak. I understand. I understand the needs. I understand what they're, what they care about and um, that whole environment. And so I can, if I can take that, that knowledge, I can talk to them, them as in a, other agencies or insurance companies, whatever. I can now offer them tailored services and, and tailored advice uh, based on all that, you know, on, on building stuff for them. So it's the same way for you. You kind of have this, that trust is there right away because you're talking to your mm -hmm. people, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. yeah. So if looking for anybody listening to this, that you're struggling or think about your background, <laughs> you know, like, is there right an on. opportunity there? Is there something, um, there's something that you're uniquely talented or, or have the knowledge around that there's a market out there and, and can you figure out how you could serve that market and, uh, and yeah, and, and make that connection. That's agreed. That's, yeah. I couldn't, yeah. I want to support that message for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and don't be afraid to, to, to fail. Right. Um, in, in, you know, and, and don't give up, yeah. but yeah, for sure. I mean, every, most people have some sort of unique specialty, and understanding of something like you said you know you have insurance expertise and web development expertise yeah. right so you're it makes sense but i also have for, you know for me the kind of my differentiator too has been just my marketing background on on the web and e-commerce right. and all that so that kind of also is a thing for me but but yeah it, but Taguchi. looking for something that's kind of outside an industry instead of just you know i build websites or i i for sure. Yeah. And that's been, that's been a, a kind of a pleasure, um, you know, working with you in the past is because you understand, you know, SEO, you understand analytics, the importance of analytics, you understand how social Taguchi, works. Taguchi methods, Taguchi. Yeah, of course. This, <laughs> you should consider calling the, this podcast, the Taguchi. Right. Um, <laughs> the revelation, Taguchi uh, revelation. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, this this all helps right it makes the conversations go easier yeah. you don't have to explain things um well exactly and exactly. you know yeah, it, that and that's how i i you know that's what i think it just naturally sets me apart is that i have that deeper understanding of the marketing side really. and the business side and I, being a business person too not just i build websites and code things it's I can actually have a conversation with, because <laughs> I understand what the pain points of a business is or what they need and, and what they, when they say throw marketing terms around, I might understand what that means um, or the impacts of those things. But uh, so we could talk for hours and we are actually at the top mm -hmm. of the hour <laughs> almost. Yeah. Um, it, so if somebody wants to learn more about David, David, David Saha. <laughs> um, if somebody wants to learn more about you or Ad Science Lab or what you do, or want to get in touch with you, where can they find you on the web? And where do you hang out? Do you hang out on LinkedIn? Where do you hang out? Yeah, great. Yeah. Um, AdSciencelab.com is, is a great way to get hold of us or hold of me. Um, we're on a my SEO guy is on a warpath to create more blogs. So we're pumping about two blogs a month. So, which is, I'm excited about because, you know, I love education. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so it's a very education focused blog. And then, yeah, I'm hanging out on LinkedIn. So we post regularly there. Um, and ultimately I just love talking to people. I love networking. Um, I love meeting people. So I'm always excited to, to have any of your audience members uh, reach out to me and chat and jump on a call and just, you know, brainstorm and things like that. Awesome. Well, yeah. thanks for sharing today, David, and thanks for joining us until next time. Thanks, Matt. It was an honor. That's all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed that. Again, please subscribe if you haven't already and give us a thumbs up if we deserve it. If you want to comment on this episode's page, provide me with requests on topics for future episodes, or inquire about being a guest, please find your way to thebuilders.fm. You can contact me there or add a comment under these show notes. Now a word from our sponsor, my agency, Unified Web Design. We build custom websites, features, we maintain websites, we work with agencies to fulfill their web design and development needs, and more. 
If you're interested in our services or are looking for an agency to work with as a partner to build awesome sites for your clients, feel free to reach out to me at unifiedwebdesign.com. There's a handy contact me link at the top, fill out that form and it will open a ticket and that ticket will find its way to me. Thanks for joining me today. We'll see you next time.